Good morning, church. Got to welcome the Crossroads Ministries here this morning. For those of you who are joining us online, we want to thank you for tuning in. If you're in the auditorium this morning, would you please stand as we worship and express thanks and gratitude for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. If you're a guest visiting us here this morning, would you please stop by our Welcome Center? We'd love to get to know you, get to know your name. We have a little gift for you as well.
name of the Lord for that song of praise here this morning.
We thank the Lord for that truth this morning. Everything I need, I have 
Psalm 27, 17, I believe I shall look upon the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen? God himself has allowed us to see his goodness, and that's why we come here every Sunday and praise him. That's why we come and worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, because he is good, and he's allowed us to see his goodness. Amen? So we want to just say welcome. I'm so glad that you're here this weekend. I'll tell you what, there's no place I would rather be than in my home church with my family here as we worship the Lord God Almighty and we sing praise to Him. We open His Word and we worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So I want to welcome you if this is your first or second or third time as well, if you're rather new to the church. I want to encourage you to stop by our welcome center in the foyer. We have a uh, welcome station just to my right inside the foyer there. Uh, stop by and we have a nice little gift just to say thank you for coming. We'd just like to welcome you and get acquainted with you a little bit more here at Crossroads. We're glad that you're here. Just by way of announcements, just a few things. Today after the service, we're going to have our next steps gathering. That will be downstairs in the canopy room. That's the large room downstairs. And um, uh, that will be at... Uh, 12.15-ish, 12.30, right in there. We'll have a light lunch. If uh, you're interested in what, what does it mean to become a member of the church? How do I make my membership official here at Crossroads? So if that's you, I want to encourage you to come on out, come on down. We have a number of people that are reserved, but we could probably take one or two more. If you haven't made your reservation, come on down and check out what God is doing here at the church and how that you can officially become a part of that. Then we have our trunk and treat coming up here. This is a, an outreach, a massive outreach that we do here for our community. This is a cultivating and planting event where we just open up our field up here. I tell people we're not celebrating Halloween. People say, what are you doing this for Halloween? We're not doing it for Halloween. We're handing out candy and kindness to our community and inviting the community to come in. And I'll tell you, there are people that are in our church today that are followers of Christ because this was their first taste and experience with, uh, with, with the church. Amen. Let's thank God for that. It's wonderful, wonderful thing. So I want to encourage you, church. We need about uh, 60 trunks is what we're looking for. So if you'll go out to the – there's a table in the foyer there. If you'll go out there and pick up one of the little papers and uh, – You'll just place in there. If you can help us with uh, one of three ways, we need people to help parking that night. We need people to help with concessions. They'll be making hot dogs and things like that. And then a trunk. If you can pull up your trunk and hand out candy. So it's very simple. You go buy candy for 500 kids. Pretty simple, right? So there is a sacrifice. There's always a sacrifice. Remember that. You go buy candy for 500 kids, open up your trunk, and you hand it out. Uh, to the kids as they come. Many people will come. Uh, many of our people will hand out candy. Some will decorate their cars, all right? So I encourage you, if you want to decorate, we're staying away from the whole ghost and goblin thing, but if you want to decorate and have fun, that's, uh, that's more, than, more than welcome. I think one year we had a guy dress up like Moses out there. So you can do whatever that you want to, uh, 
to, uh, within good wholesomeness to encourage people, and we're going to be bringing people to Christ. So I want to encourage you, please uh, jump on that and participate with us as that is coming up. And, in, and get the word out in the community. Use your social media. Reshare that thing. Get the word out. Invite your friends and family. People come to these things not because we have a sign on the road. A few people do that. Mostly they come to personal invitations. So I want to encourage you, let's, uh, let's go out and cultivate and plant and bring people to Jesus Christ in this manner. And then I want to encourage you guys, our Wednesday nights are kicking up and things are going good. It was a great night up here this past Wednesday. I went out on the lawn and I sat out there the whole night as the uh, young people, the teenagers, had fireworks display going on, all right, which was pretty cool. Yeah, it, it was awesome. I went home and people on Facebook or in the Finleyville group, who said we could have fireworks on Wednesday night? I did. So... So I allowed it to happen, right? So we had we had uh, one of our good people up there, and they did a very safe thing. It was all according to the laws and all that fun stuff, right? And so they actually, Ray Beckinger is the people that I'm referring to. Give Ray a hand. He's right back there. He made that happen for us, and I know there's a few other pyrotechnique guys in the church. We're going to tap into them in the future, so we're having fun there. It was fun to see that happen, but it was just a great way to generate some excitement for our young people. We're glad what God is doing here with our young people on Wednesday night. We have our our children's ministry, our youth ministry, our men's group meets here in the auditorium, and then our women's group meets down the hall, and they have their perspective studies going. So I want to encourage you to come on out. Uh, One fellow grabbed me on the way out the door this morning and says, Hey, uh, tell me when's the Wednesday night thing. And I said, Well, if you open that bolt in your hand, and I'll show you, it's right here at 630. And so he'll be coming on this week at 630. I'm like, So just jump in. You don't have to be there from day one. Just jump on in. So I want to say thank you for your faithfulness and giving. God's been growing the church. He's adding to the church daily, uh, just like the book of Acts. He continues to add to his church daily. And as he's doing that, you're giving. As you give to the Lord, we're using these funds to honor and glorify God, and we're bringing people to Jesus Christ. So thank you so much for your faithful support. Thank you for tithing and giving to God. Thank you for being a growing believer. That's, uh, That's what a growing believer does. As we grow, we give. And so we give of our time our talent, and our treasure. So let's stand together as we continue our worship time. This morning I've asked Pastor Luke to share the message today. We're continuing our series on exiles. We've been looking in First Peter. We're in chapter 2 finally. And we've been looking at this, this letter that was written from Peter to these new believers. They were the former Jews that are new believers, and they were spread all over Asia Minor, uh, fleeing for their life really at times, uh, fleeing persecution of Nero. And so as we've been going through it, we're learning some pretty valuable lessons. And I've asked Pastor Luke this morning to share from uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 this morning. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, let's see what God will do in our hearts. Father God, I pray right now, Lord, thank you for who you are. God, you are so worthy. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're the great I am. You're the Alpha and Omega. You're the beginning and the end. You are so worthy of all of our praise, so worthy of all of our worship, so worthy of all of our time, our talent, and our treasure. And so, God, as we give to you this morning, Lord, whether it be through the offering, whether it be through uh, singing and serving, Lord, all the various ways that we're able to give and bless your name, Lord, I pray that you will bless each giver. Lord, uh, you're moving in our hearts, and we know that there's no greater joy than to give. 
And so as we give unto you, Lord, in this next moment, we're just going to sing another song. And we're going to give our heart to you. We're going to give our soul to you. We're going to give our emotions. We're going to give our thoughts to you. And so, Lord, as we sing this next song about who you are, about just the, the, the wonder of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that you will be known as the King of kings and the Lord's, Lord of lords in our lives in our practical walk, in every day, in every way that we move and we think, Lord, please transform us from the inside out. God, thank you so much for the way that you're moving in this place. And I ask that you'll continue to do what you've done here, what you've begun to do. Lord, we lift up these events that are coming. We lift up this major outreach event here, uh, Trunk and Treat, in just a few weeks away. Uh, we lift up the, the Christmas season that will be coming, Lord. Uh, a lot of opportunities as we open up our doors and invite our neighbors, our friends, our family, our guests, just to meet the church people, just to meet you, Lord, to begin to start the pathway of their relationship with Jesus Christ. So, God, I ask that you'll do what only you can do in this place, and we will give you the honor and the glory now, Lord, as we praise your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born, then the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old shall not heal, shall not fade. By His blood and in His name, in His freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. Church, you may be seated. opportunity to, to share the Word of God with you all this morning. Welcome those joining us online as well. Um, back in 2009, uh, I moved to Pittsburgh, and um, the only real concept I had of Pittsburgh was there was a kid in my youth group growing up in, in Chicago, and he um, wore a Cordell Stewart jersey, and he was already kind of awkward. And so that was my concept of, of Pittsburgh. And and so when I moved here, that was kind of not that I had a negative view. I just didn't have much of a view. And I remember um, I actually messaged him the other day, and I just said, hey, man, I'm thinking about you. And, and so just kind of a funny connection. But uh, long story short, when I came here, uh, again, I'm, I am over six feet tall, so it is easy to spot me. So if my wife – my wife doesn't really lose me in the store. Um, and so she, you know, she just turns around, looks long enough, and she can see me over all the things. Um, but long story short, I moved here, and – uh, when somebody is not from your town, not from your culture, there's things that they say, there's things that they do, and by listening to the way they respond uh, or say certain things, you can respond and say, oh, you know, you're, you're probably not what from around here. And so uh, there were things that I said when I first moved here that people could spot me out of the crowd if they just listened long enough, and some things that I said, um, you know, it, 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 like I remember um, – when we would, I was a youth pastor when I first moved here, and we would take kids um, on, you know, youth events, right? We do youth events, and we would go. Um, for me, I would say, oh, we're taking kids to 
the city, and people would go, where? And I'm like, you're, oh, Pittsburgh. <laughs> you're not from around here, are you? Um, you know, we, we take kids downtown. You know what I mean? We don't take kids to the city. We take kids downtown. Um, or we would have to make sure that the room was completely cleaned up uh, for uh, an event or for Wednesday night youth group or Sunday morning or what have you. And I would say, oh, we have to make sure we clean up. And, you know, people would look at me and, why do we, we don't clean, we we red up, red up, right? And so I'd be looking for the vacuum everywhere, and somebody finally informed me after the fact that the sweeper was in the closet. Um, you know, uh, I, there was a phenomenon that I, I was, remember talking to my mom, and I said, "There's Mom, there's this phenomenon that happens in the fall months. People wear the, the, the black and the gold, and after second service, they're like beelining it to get home. And I, I mean, listen, when you're from Chicago and you grew up like a Bears fan, you don't understand culture. You don't understand, uh, uh, I guess, a winning football team. Uh, but anyway, besides the point, uh, you know, when I moved here, I, I just was like blown away. Like, I mean, you know, the pastor would pray and people would just, they'd leap. And I just, I didn't understand that. And, and I, little did I know what it meant to be a Steelers fan. And my other one was, you know, we'd be making these... Um, you know, circular um, confections that would put little the little things on top to, to finish the, the, you know, the cupcakes off. And uh, uh, again, still call them sprinkles, but apparently that's not what they're called. And so, again, people would say you're not from around here or the stretchy things that you use to maybe put a set of three by five cards together or maybe you wear it on around your wrist or whatever. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm like, where do you get gum bands from? And it's like, you know, rubber bands, rubber bands. Um, and so anyway, um, and again, I still to this day appreciate and value, but I don't understand the cookies at the wedding thing. So very much appreciate because listen, you go to, listen, you go to some weddings and they have like cookie table tiers. <laughs> listen, it's, it's, um, I mean, it's like, you know, they say that West Virginia is almost heaven, but I can tell you this, that there's cookies at the wedding are very wonderful, and I appreciate that. So I was not from Pittsburgh, and people around me were watching me. They were watching to see, okay, this kid's fresh out of college. Um, you know, he looks like he's about 12. Um, he's leading our youth group, and we're going to watch to see if he survives. We'll watch to see how he reacts, how he accepts this new job responsibility as a youth pastor at our church. And they watched me. They watched me. And as parents, they watched me. As the staff that I interacted with, they watched me. The congregation watched me. And they watched me adapt. How did he respond? How did he do the things that he do? How, how, did he, how does he lead? How does he talk? You know, all those things. And they watched me. And can I tell you, church, that there is a group of people that do not follow Christ that are watching us as Christians and watching us, how we react how we do the things that we do. And I want to encourage you that as we read this morning in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter equips us, and he is equipping these, these men and women who were a part of the church. They loved Jesus, and they were scattered all throughout Asia Minor, as Pastor Ken mentioned, running from Nero, encountering hostile situations. You know, if you, if you bring up the fact that you're a Christian, that you're following Jesus, that you read the Bible to your friends that don't know Christ or to somebody that may see you post something on social media, that may produce a very awkward and even potentially negative or even potentially hostile situation. In fact, can I tell you that 
when, when there is a situation that happens in our day and age, um, very hot-button topics, I would say that when, when, when things happen, people will rush to social media pretty quickly. And they'll say, how, I wonder how those, those Christians are going to respond. People are watching. They're watching. And whether you realize it or not, they are watching. And Peter, when he addresses these exiles, these believers, he's not just saying, hey, listen, let's just get into the bubble as a Christian and let's block out the world or resist the culture. He said, let's engage it. Let's be men and women who are engaged in our culture. Because when, he, you know, when you think about being a sojourner and passing through, isn't it easy to say, like, how many of you take advantage of the little walkway at the airport? I do. And there's always that person run alongside. And I'm like, what do you got to prove? Like, just hop on, you know. But I'm hop, you know, we're on the walkway. And it's like, that can easily be us as Christians. As I'm like, oh, man, got my bags. Just waiting, passing through. And so Peter's like, no, no, no. It's so much more than that. So much more than that. So let's jump into First Peter uh, chapter two, verse eleven and twelve, and we're just going to really try to dissect this, and then we're going to look at some application for our lives. Sound good? Cool. All right. So verse eleven says this: as he says, "Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul." So Peter calls these people that he hasn't met; he calls them the beloved. And you may think, oh, is he saying like, oh, you're, you know, good friends. It's so much deeper than good friends. These are people who, these are friends dearly loved by God. And can I encourage you as a follower of Christ, God refers to us as his beloved. You are a child of God, deeply valued. I hope you're encouraged by that because I know I am. And as you read that in scripture, when God refers to those as, as his beloved, as, as, as followers of Christ, we are his beloved. We are dearly, friends dearly loved by God. It's not just like, you know, we're that like guy who, or gal who like hopped onto the team last second. Oh, there they are. It's like, no, you are dearly loved. Dearly loved, friend, by God. And so Peter goes on and he says, listen, um, he says, he, so he says that. And then right after that, he says, I urge you as so what he's about to say is very important, right? Because these people are in the midst of a really tough culture. They're in the midst of a really tough culture. And, and so Peter, what he's saying is he's saying, you're sojourners and exiles. Right after that, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. So isn't it kind of funny? He says, you're the beloved. Like, man, yeah, I'm valued. I'm a part of God's family. And then he says, sojourners and exiles. And that's almost like a, like a quick reminder. Hey, don't forget, where's your citizenship? It's not here. It's in heaven. And, and, and I love that because it's like, you know, sometimes if we only read the like the fluffy, not that it's fluffy, but if you only read the like positive, sometimes we need that sober reminder of like, hey, don't forget you're passing through. This isn't your home. And not just in the hard times, because my mom would always say growing up, oh, we're just thank God we're just passing through. But what about in the good times when things are the highest point? Peter's saying, listen, you're a citizen of heaven. You're a citizen of heaven. We're passing through. And so he goes on and he says, don't forget where your citizenship is from. And so then he encourages them, calling them beloved, and then he humbles them. It's almost like the, you know, the coach would give a quick, like, hey, here's a positive, and then he'd, he'd knock your kneecaps out and would give you like a subtle reminder, right? And so that's kind of what he's doing here is he's saying, listen, don't forget, I urge you as sojourners in exile. So he's saying, you're loved by God, dearly loved by God. And then I want to urge you as sojourners and exiles, and then here's the next statement he says, is he says, to abstain from the fleshly passions of this world. 
you know, the word abstain that Peter uses is not like, hey, just stop that. He's saying, like, hold yourself back continually from. So it's so much more than just, hey, stop doing that. Like, the, remember when your parents would say, do this, don't do that. This isn't just don't do that. This is like, hold yourself back from these things. And so Paul, you know, Paul, like Peter is encouraging in this situation. He's saying, listen, you don't belong to the culture. And then Paul says in Romans, he says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So as a follower of Christ, and I look at Jesus's life, and I take the things that Jesus is doing, and I try to do what? I try to obey them, and I try to take what I am, being Luke, and I try to say, okay, I need to adopt, and I need to implement, and think, and let the mind of Christ affect me greatly. I cannot say I'm a follower of Christ but yet I take all of my cues from the culture. So, so that's what Peter is saying. And then Paul just, you know, he just jumps on that too. He's saying, listen, you can't, you can't be conformed to this world. He said, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, the, and again, the way that we renew our mind is look at, look at Christ and let Christ influence you greatly. Because here's the deal. No matter what everyone else does or approves of if jesus does not approve then we cannot we need to remember who we are citizens of heaven and our lives are supposed to demonstrate that so peter says you know he says abstain from these you know passions of the flesh and we think okay yeah you think about the things the things that are sexual absolutely yes like sexual immorality but he's saying listen as my flesh desires something it's success Money, power, all those things. And so, yes, there is, there is sexual immorality for sure, but he goes beyond that. He's saying, listen, you're flesh, right? So our battle for, like, our sinful desires, right? There's a battle inside. There's a battle for your, your flesh is saying, this, this is going to fulfill you. This is going to fulfill you. And there's an internal battle between the flesh and the spirit, right? The spirit of God that lives inside of you, and there's going to be a battle, and, there's, and what we're going to read is that there's actually a battle that's happening, and there's a pretty significant battle. But, but in Galatians 5.17, this gives a little picture of that battle. It says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. And then it says, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And so, again, it goes beyond sexual morality. Absolutely. Abstain from those things. But what about success over obedience? And, you know, and a way to simplify that is I will do whatever it takes at all costs to achieve success, to achieve power, to achieve more money. Why? Because we have a sinful desire. Don't, don't deny yourself. You think about those things because as soon as we see somebody else doing it, we struggle with the, game, with the comparison game. Well, they have it. <laughs> you know, someone posts online. Social media is great in so many ways. But then you go through the battle of like, do they have anything that's wrong? Yeah, a great deal. But there's that pat, there's that desire of like, well, I want that, and then it, you just it just fuels and fuels and fuels. And he says, so listen, Peter's saying, listen, we're going to start with the internal. Before I talk to you about things that you should do publicly, he's like, let's let's address the internal. So that's what he's doing in verse eleven. He's addressing the internal. And so he says, we have to abstain from the fleshly passions because they have an effect on your soul. We think we should just stop something and then we're good. But there's, there's damage on your soul that we don't even realize. 
You know, if you if you have a car and, and you think, well, everything else on the outside looks great, that that engine could be destroyed. You know, and then you buy it. <laughs> Again, did you test it out? I don't know, but that's another story. Um, Mark eight thirty six says this: For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? So you could gain the whole world. You could fulfill those fleshly passions and gain the whole world, but you forfeit your soul. Peter's saying that we may escape. We can, we can think we can just shut it off and just cut it off, and then we escape the physical ramifications of pursuing, you know, what our soul, what our, our, our physical, our fleshly passions want. But there's going to be battle scars on your soul. And so Matthew 16, 26 gives a little bit more of a picture of this, and it says, For what will, a man, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? I watched a movie recently, and um, again, it's, we're, we're not super creative, even with kids' movies nowadays. But one of the things that we see over and over is we see good versus with bad, or good versus evil. And in this movie, the, the, the evil, um, the, the antagonist, right, is, is wanting to have power and control over the good person, right? And so the evil character in this movie in order to get an upper hand, he sells his soul to the other side in this movie so that he can have the upper hand. Well, I'm not going to throw away the movie, but essentially like we, it doesn't end well for him. So long story short is he felt like his soul had so little value that power and success over this person was worth it to sell his soul. So, I mean, we see that in a movie, but don't we see that today? My soul is just like, I don't really even care. I'll sell my soul. And you don't sell your soul to the devil, but you, you say, I'm going to prize power, money, success, sexual immorality over my soul. Eh, it doesn't matter. And so he's saying abstain from these things. He's saying we have to hold ourselves back continually from these things. So to summarize verse 11, he says, you are dearly and wholly loved by God. You're the beloved. You are sojourners and exiles. And he talks about keeping oneself um, from the passions of the flesh because they wage war against your soul. And then he goes on in verse 12 and he says this. Peter says, keep your conduct. So, so he's addressing in 11, he's addressing the private, like hey, telling the, the exiles, hey, take a check, an evaluation of yourself. And then in verse 12, he's saying, all right, now let's talk about your actions. So in verse 12, he says, keep your conduct or behavior among the Gentiles honorable. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So why does Peter talk about the Gentiles? So the Gentiles were the unbelieving, the, the unsaved um, people group, right? These were the people, these were the pagans, these were the people that they were not following Christ. And so he's saying keep your conduct, your behavior honorable in front of these people because they're going to label you an evildoer. It's a pretty strong word. You ever thought yourself of as an evildoer? You're like, well, I don't know. Maybe that made you feel a little bit awkward. You're like, I never thought about that. But he says here, he says, you know, he goes on and he says, listen, in front of these people, keep your conduct honorable. So the word honor, if you think about, let's think about the word honor. If you think about the word honor, what's the first thing that comes to mind? You think about a judge, you know, the honorable so-and-so. I don't know any judges. Um, you know, or you think about this person is honorable. Do we even use that? Do we even use that word anymore? We typically use it in reference to somebody else. Maybe um, we think about um, we honor somebody's life. We honor those who have gone before us. We, we honor those men and women who serve our country. 
actively, sacrificially. We, we honor those people. And it's not just like, oh, I respect that person. Honor is, is going above and beyond to bend over backwards to show respect. So, so there's not just a one-stop, one-silver bullet. This is like honor is like something we do over time. So he's telling these people, these, these exiles, he's like, listen, let's keep our conduct, our behavior, let's keep it honorable in front of these people. Let's go above and beyond to show respect to these people. Because Peter says we do these things because we're going to be labeled as evildoers. And then, again, it's really important as we read Scripture to look at this. He's not saying if. He says when. When they label you an evildoer. So we know that it's coming. It may have already happened for you. Why does the world not like us? Why? As Christians, why? Why are we considered an enemy? Why would they label me an evildoer? Let's look at Jesus' words in John, the Gospel of John. Jesus says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were, if you were of the world, a part of the world, Paul says the pattern of this world, right? Without Christ, he says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because, but, but, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Jesus is saying, listen, before you even lose your mind over the fact that the world hates you, don't forget they hated me first. So that's why they're going to hate you. They hated me. And so they're going to hate us as followers of Christ because we have Christ in our lives. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, his disciples, right, we are disciples of Jesus. We're learning. We're walking in Jesus' footsteps. We're reading in Scripture. We're trying to understand how to take Christ's life and implement it into our own life. We're trying to remember the mind of Christ. We're trying to understand the mind of Christ and and Jesus' actions. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus think? How would Jesus react? We need more bracelets. Um, All those things, right? We're trying to... We're trying to let Christ influence us so it changes us. And, and what he's, Peter is saying is, listen, you're already in the limelight. As a follower of Christ, you are countercultural. The world is watching us saying they do not take their cues from whatever is happening in the news. Wow, that, that was not planned. Um, you know what I mean? They are, not, they are not taking their cues from whatever is happening in our culture. They're taking it from a book, from this person called Jesus. They're not, they're not doing the things that everybody else is doing. And that doesn't always rub people the right way. In fact, he says, Peter says that they will call us evildoers. And he says to have a behavior that's honorable because they're going to be, they're going to label us evildoers. But why should we keep our conduct, our behavior honorable? What's the point? So that when they see us, they go, man, you're great. No, it's just so that they would see our good deeds and glorify God because the day of visitation, Right? And so that's what Peter says. So he's saying, listen, in verse 11, he's saying, check yourself. Give an evaluation of yourself. Where's your citizenship? Is it just here or is it in heaven? He's saying, don't forget your, your, your sojourners and exiles and that. And then, he says, and then he says, abstain from the things of the flesh, right? Success, power, money, the sexual immorality. He's saying abstain from those things. And he's, and he, and he's saying it's all for the reason of that our behavior would point people to Christ. It's not just be a good person and then when you get to the end of your life and you live the life that you live and you're like, man, I was a great person. There's got to be a bigger reason in life than just, man, I did a whole bunch of good things. 
there's got to be a bigger point. There's got to be a bigger reason. Because if you think about passing through this life and you're just on that walkway, walking through life, just sitting there waiting for the thing to get to the end, what's the end? Man, I did a lot of great things. Or my good things pointed other people to the greatest one. So that's what Peter's trying to say. And so, you know, Peter, Peter starts off in verse 11 and he calls, he calls these exiles the beloved. He says, you're dearly, you're friends dearly loved by God. You're dearly loved by God. And then he goes on to say, you're sojourners and exiles. He says, listen, you're, you're just passing through. We're not passing through and being passive. We're passing through and we're engaging those around us. And so Peter's reminding us that our citizenship is in heaven. This place is not our home. We're passing through. And as we think about this in, in, in Philippians 3.20, Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So our citizenship is not here. It's in heaven. And from that truth, we await Jesus. We await his return. Not just sitting there like this, but like we await in our work, our families, our our friend groups. We await Christ. And so what does it look like to await Jesus? Man, I know where I'm going. I I know the why behind my life. I don't know what it is right now, like my vocation, but I know that there's a greater purpose in life. So I'm just going to keep trying to be faithful in all the areas that I am, that we await the Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, because we know where we're going. Doesn't it help when you know where you're going? How many of you just love getting in the car and driving around just being like, I don't know where we're going. Some of you do that, and that's cool. But listen, like, you know, where, like, where are we going? We could get in the car to, to go do, you know, something very minor, very small errand in my family, and one of my sons will say, are we getting on the highway? Are we going to go down this road? And I'm like, I'm like, brother, we're just going to go get the thing, and then we're going to go home. Are we getting on the highway? <laughs> Are we going down this road? It helps to know where you're going. And he is, just, he is so focused on that because he wants to know where we're going. And so as a follower of Christ, we know where we're going. Church, you know where you're going. As a follower of Christ, your citizenship is in heaven. You know where you're going. And as a, citizen, as a citizen of America, I thank God that I am a citizen of the United States of America. I thank God for that. But as a follower of Christ, my allegiance is significantly higher. If I look at my citizenship, I have dual citizenship. I am a citizen of, citizen of America, but I am a citizen of heaven. And so for me, like, I, I want to be a grounded citizen and, and, and do all the things that I need to do um, as a citizen of America. But where I lose my mind over is, and I should be losing my mind over and pray for that, is that I am a citizen of heaven first. So the question is, is who do we worship? We worship Jesus Christ. What laws do we obey? We obey God's word. What agenda do we serve? We serve heaven's agenda. What message do we proclaim? We proclaim the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel. That's heaven's message. That's, that's, that's the greatest news of all is that you were lost in your sin. Think about what Peter says. He, says. he says, abstain from the passions of the flesh. Without Christ, go back to what Peter said in chapter 1. He says, listen, Christ ransomed you out of a life of futility. Think about, you know, what was the Greek mythology? The guy that was destined to roll the rock up the hill, and then when he gets to the top, it rolls back down. That's our life without Christ. You get to the top, woohoo! oh, 
Oh, you know, that's our life without Christ. I don't mean to simplify it so much, but that's what it is. It's like, what's my purpose? I roll the rock to the top, then it goes to the bottom. I roll the rock to the top. And then it's like Christ ransomed us out of that. And so we, we, we have the reward. We have heaven in front of us in our eternity with Jesus Christ. And then the other thing is, is Peter talks about practicing purity, right? We think about the internal, the abstain from the, the, the passions of the flesh, right? To, to keep yourself from continually. And you think about it, purity works not just by cutting all those things off. You don't have weeds in your house and walk around with a pair of scissors and just clip the tops. Some of you I know are green thumb people and you're looking at me sideways. Um, but listen, you don't do that. You have to do what? You have to pull it out from the root. And so if you think about practicing purity, don't just work on trying to avoid all the bad things. Practice protecting what comes in. There was a, our old house in Whitehall. We had a, um, uh, you know, we had a kitchen and we had a, a, a roof, or a, sorry, a little ceiling in the kitchen. And I noticed that there was a crack. And then I noticed the crack um, became a hole. And then over time, if it would rain, I even noticed a little bit of bubbling happen. And I'm thinking, oh, there's a problem. If you can relate, like, you know, you get it. And so I am not a handyman. I have learned a lot of things by that little person on the YouTube who teaches me things. Um, you know, men and women teach me things on YouTube about how to, like, fix things up and how to, you know, it's, it blows my mind, all the things I can learn. And, and it's, it's also very dangerous, you know, especially when it comes to water. Um, but, oh, I can unplug this pipe and it'll be fine. Um, no. So one of the things that I was learning was like, okay, how do you take care of this hole? And so I would try to patch it up, and I can't even tell you what I did because I know that about a week later, I'm like, okay, something's wrong. So I crawled in the attic the best that I could, being six foot, you know, three. Yeah, it's it's a sight. Um, but I'm climbing up there, and I noticed that there is the, there's the hole, right? And I see the water. And then I look up and I see the water. I'm like, oh, I can fix that. So I take my hand and I like do like this just to try to see. And I go, oh, there's more water. And I follow the beam, you know, eight, eight feet or so. And there's a little drip coming from the ceiling. So granted, that, so the problem is, is there was actually a, a piece of a shingle that had shifted enough to where water was coming through. Climbing all the way down the beam and dripping. We cannot spend our lives just trying to putty up that hole. We have to get to the problem. You have to protect what comes in. We have to protect the influences that we allow to be a part of our life. The, 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 the messages, the, the, the words, the things that we see come into our lives. And over time, they influence us. Proverbs 4.23 says this. This is wisdom. Keep your heart. Protect your heart with all vigilance. It doesn't say only on Sundays, Tuesdays. It says keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. So we have to protect what comes in. And it's not just stopping the passions of the flesh. It's starting with what comes in and a continual guarding of our hearts. Only with the power of the Holy Spirit can we do this. And so here's a sobering reminder is that our passions that we pursue ultimately are the, res- like the passions that we pursue, the things that we do, the things that we partake in are influences of what are, are, are influenced by the things that come in, right? So all the things that come in, they influence what we do. So we have to protect what comes in. And all this to say is, is, is Peter saying, listen, you've got to check your internal so that you can focus on the external, right? And so he's saying the honorable conduct, the honorable behavior. People want to see a sermon often before they want to hear a sermon. And that means our lives 
should show that something's different. If we're just like, man, I'm standing on the, I'm standing on the, um, you know, on the walkway, just kind of waiting to get by. It's not very, doesn't really attract me. But I see these good deeds. I see these people. Like, man, there's something different about these people. Why? Make the people around you question why. What is different about them? I see the chaos that's happening on our world, and I'm not saying that they're not alarmed, but there's like a peace. I don't get it. And they would, again, that they would see our good deeds and glorify God because he is coming. People want to see a sermon before they hear one. So here's a few things for us to take to heart as we leave here this morning. Every day we're writing a story with our lives. What story are you writing? What story are you writing? A story of selfishness or a story of selflessness? A story of obedience or a story of success at any cost? And then the second thing is the reminder of the truth that our citizenship, as a follower of Christ, our citizenship is in heaven. Uh, recently I came across a... Um, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I do enjoy some social media things. Um, I, I, you know, I like LinkedIn, just the one I'm on recently. And I noticed that there was a person on there. And I think about 10 years ago, I probably would have said, this is really hokey. <laughs> Can I use that word, hokey? Um, and, and, and I noticed this person who, you know, is a business person, and, and it had their name. And then below it, it didn't have the title. But isn't that the whole point, is that we show everybody all the great things that we have, all my accolades, all the articles that I wrote, or maybe I used AI, I don't know. Um, All the things that I've done, look at all my jobs and all the wonderful things that I have. There's nothing wrong with that. But this person had their name, and then below where it would be their title, it said, follower of Jesus. And I'm like, whoa, ow. I'm not saying everybody run home and do that. That's not the point. Here's the principle behind that. I'm not saying that we should all walk around with T-shirts or what have you that say everything, you know. Again, there's nothing wrong with those things. But what captured me in a way that it hasn't captured me before was immediately what I thought was that person knows. That person knows what's most important. Again, don't run home and start, you know, putting up all that stuff on on whatever, Facebook or Insta something. Um, Don't do that. But my point is, is I just, it captured me as that person knows. If you go to other cultures, some of them will even introduce themselves. They'll say their name. Hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. We don't do that in America. <laughs> in fact, if you did that, people would probably look at you a little weird. But my encouragement is, where, do you know that your citizenship is in heaven? Just recently, I talked to somebody whose testimony was on a very old piece of paper in the front of their Bible. There's testimony. There's story. Their spiritual story of how they they were living their life. They met Jesus, and Jesus changed them. And they wrote that out in pen, and it was in their Bible. And they say, every time I open my Bible, I'm going to be reminded of where I was and how my life is different because Christ changed me. I know where I'm going. I know my citizenship. I'm reminded of what God saved me from. Peter said, you, he, Jesus has ransomed us from the futility of life. And I want to be reminded of that because when I'm reminded that I've been saved, I'm also reminded that I know where I'm going, right? And so the other thing is, is our battle is won over time. Peter says, let them see your good deeds so that they will glorify God because the day of visitation is coming. So we think that, yes, trunk and treat. Listen, I thank God for trunk and treat. I thank God that this church 
Well, I mean, have you seen a bag of candy? It's like $11. Like, there's a reason when people come up here and they're like, why are they doing this? No, seriously, have you seen candy prices? Why are you doing this? Like, it's, you know what I mean? But, but like, thank God it's a, it is a small sacrifice. But those little good deeds, what it does is people, they come up here and they're like walking around. And granted, it's very lit up and it's dark, so you're, you're taken by all the lights. But people are like, why? Why would you do this? And maybe they come to Trunk and Treat for three years in a row. But can I tell you, there's people, like Pastor Ken has said, there's people that have come to Trunk and Treat. And then they come up to this church and they're like, oh, I see. I see why those people did that. So it, it, it's one over time because it goes beyond Trunk and Treat. It goes from when you're opening up your trunk and you're serving candy and loving the people, showing those good deeds, and then you're out mowing your grass and you see your neighbor. Do they see your good deeds? At work, how do they see you interacting with people at work? Do, our, do they see our good deeds? It's, it's, the battle is won over time. It's when you're coaching, you're watching your kids play sports. If there's ever an opportunity to show the love of Christ and grace is at sports games. You have an opportunity there. And let them see the good deeds. Maybe they see you cleaning up the field when no one else is around. I mean, again, it's not about just trying to be seen. But so they would see your good deeds and not go, man, Luke is so great. They would go, why does he do this? I see you care for these people. Why do you do this? And so, you know, maybe some of the things that, that we need to do is we need to make amends. Let people see us make amends with other people at work because there's people that you work with that you may never talk to. And again, I don't know everybody's um, working situation, whether you have five or 500 or, what, or you're all online. I don't, again, but, get, but let's get creative and let's ask the God of the universe to help us get creative, right? That we can show these good deeds and people that you would never even realize were paying attention will watch you and go, I saw you make amends with that person and I'm, I don't even know what to say. Or they may never say anything. But then they hear later on about the love of Christ and you're like, that person's going to rewind in their brain and go, oh, that's why they were able to forgive that person. That's deep. <laughs> that's deep. And it's encouraging because it's not just a one-off thing, but it's over time. And when Peter says that they would see your good deeds, it is a seeing. It is a critical observation over time that they would see our good deeds. And that they would, you know, that they watch us make amends. Help someone when they are in need. Serving somebody who just rubs you the wrong way. Someone just popped into your head. <laughs> you, know, you know who it is. Um, maybe it's here in this church. Maybe that's where we need to start for some, is we need to show good deeds and encourage one another here, and then we go outside of this place. Let's be a people who are not enslaved to worldly comforts, but who consider it more blessed to give than receive. Let's be a people who don't just dream about more vacation, bigger salaries, driving towards retirement, but who dream about how many different and creative ways that we can make a name for the glory of the grace of God in Finleyville and Western PA in this world. Because people are watching you. Some of you are sitting in, in situations at work. It is, it is, is, is tormenting. I just talked to a, a, a dear friend of mine um, recently. And then look on his face. Work is consuming him. And, and he's not thinking, what good, what good deeds can I show? So the the, the, the heaviness, I'm sure, is great for many. Let's ask the God of the universe to help us 
show good deeds so that they wouldn't glorify us, so that they would glorify God because a day of visitation is coming. I'll read this last thing and then we're going to close. There's a metaphor used um, here when, when we're talking about um, the day of visitation. You know, and, and in, in the Greek military community, the day of visitation, they, that, that same verbiage that we read in Peter is, is often used in the same context of a military general would drop in on the troops. And if everything was ready for battle, they would get an approval and a praise from the general. But when the general would drop into the troops and they were not ready, there would be correction. If Christ were to come back today, what would he see? Would he see a faithful people trying to show good deeds, not that we get glorified, but that when they see us, they would do, as Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. That they would see our good deeds, glorify the God in heaven, and then on the day of visitation when Christ is back, we can look, at, we can look over and we could say, I met someone at a trunk and treat, and they're close to my community, and I continue to try to love them and show good deeds, that they would see not just me, but they would see Christ. And then when Christ comes back on the day of visitation, we can look over and we can see friends that we reached that are on Team Jesus. You, are you with me? Like, that to me, like, I read this, and I'm like, all right, Luke, let's go. Let's go. James 1.27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's have a faith that drives beyond just thoughts and feelings towards action. But what's the why? Why do we do these things? Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the God, or give glory to your Father who is in heaven. May our good deeds show that the lost may wonder why and what do they have? Because boy, I want that. That they would see Jesus Christ as a result. Would you pray with me, Lord? Help us as we seek to keep our behavior honorable, so that through our good deeds that others may come to know you, and that. God, on the day of visitation, when, when, when you return, for those who are in Christ, that have Jesus in their life, that we would see those people, that we were able to, to live out these good deeds in front of them. They saw you. They gave their lives to you because they wondered what we had. And Lord, I know there's also a moment of we have to check ourselves. We have to evaluate ourselves always. Your Holy Spirit is, is cleaning us out, is, is making us more like your son Jesus, and we know that it's an etching every day. Like a chisel and a stone as you're working in us and through us to change us to be more like Jesus. And it is painful because there's things that we were all about, and now that we have you, Jesus, in our lives, we are changing. There is a supernatural changing of our lives from being selfish to being selfless. We just, we follow you, Jesus, and we're changing, and there's an etching away of our old selves and becoming what you're making us, and that's more like your son, Jesus. So, Lord, we know that we have, we have passions of the flesh that we are trying to not just suppress, but we are trying to, to really abstain from God. Help us to do that. Help us to, to, to not just cut those things off, but to go to the root to protect what comes in. Lord, to be reminded that our citizenship is in heaven and is not of this world. It is in heaven, and that means that we are eternally going to be with you forever when we leave this earth. And we have a greater purpose here 
because we're not just passing through, God. We have a purpose. And Lord, um, for those for those of us here this morning who are like, I'm 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 going back to verse eleven. I, I want to be the beloved. I want to be found as a. I want to be a child of God. If you're here this morning and you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, we know that the wages of sin is death, but we know the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. If you would like to give your life to Christ right now, I implore you, I urge you to surrender your life to Jesus. And you can say, Jesus, I believe that I am a sinner and I am done trying to live for myself. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and three days later you rose again. I give my life to follow you now and forevermore. Help me to now live out these good deeds so that I can point people back to the one who saved me, who ransomed me from a life of futility, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, be with your people as we leave, as we respond, as we read your word. Holy Spirit, move in this place and that we would change this community for the grace of God is powerful and the life-changing saving faith that we place in Jesus Christ is one that everyone needs to know. Lord, we love you. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand as we end our service this morning? Thank you for joining us here this morning at Crosshairs Ministries. Have a wonderful week. Enjoy the Smith.